All of you feel good? You may have a seat. They told me a while ago I was so excited about all them youngins being in here. They told me that that was actually a small crowd of kids that during the summer you have more than that. I don't know where you all go to get them, but uh, they, that was a pile of youngins. Uh, the preacher told me that uh, kind of what the format of tonight is, and if I mess it up, it stays right in this room. And don't you dare go run in your mouth to Brother Carter about me messing up the format of this service. I don't mean to do that. If you'd open your Bibles, please, to Acts chapter 28. While you're finding that, uh, we are we are on our way home. We had the opportunity to go out to uh, Emporia, Kansas. And one of the young men that used to be at the children's home at Camp Tracy, that you all helped a great deal with as a church and many of you as individuals. Went out to Emporia 22 years ago, I think, or 23, and started a church. His oldest daughter, who was born there in Emporia, he's from Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, Brother James, is, his daughter was born there in uh, Emporia. We had the privilege of doing her wedding last Saturday night and then the opportunity of preaching there on Sunday. So we were coming back to Jacksonville and decided that we needed to come by and see Brother Smitty and Miss Edna. And that's how I forced my way into being able to be here tonight under the pretense of going to see them. I really was come, hoping to come see you, all right? So Acts chapter 28. For our Bible study tonight, I want to title it, Sticks, S-T-I-C-K-S, Sticks. Now, I've preached from this passage of Scripture in Acts chapter 28, the first six verses, on several occasions. Usually, the, the message that I've preached has been from verse number five, primarily. But we're going to look at verse three, primarily, tonight. Let me give you a little background as we get, uh, get into it. The Apostle Paul has been saved. He's been called to preach. He has spent his life ministering, pastoring, teaching, establishing churches, helping people to grow in the Lord and to understand their Bible. And he's built churches. He has run into conflict with the powers that be on several occasions. He's coming down to the end of Paul's life. Now, the Apostle Paul, outside of Jesus Christ, I believe, was the greatest preacher that has ever lived. And Paul is coming down to the end of his life. As he gets down here to the end of his life, like I said, he's gotten in trouble with uh, the powers that be, and they have arrested the Apostle Paul. Chapter 27 uh, gives us some of the background before chapter 28. You picked up on that right quick, 27 comes before 28. That was not a real smart statement. But anyhow, uh, we... Uh, thank you. <laughs> Bless her heart. <laughs> 
Amen. I'll, I'll talk to you all. Okay, that'd be okay. And uh, Paul in chapter 27, it has given us some of the background of Paul's trouble that he got into. He has been sentenced now to be delivered to, to Rome to stand before the court. As he is going there, they're going to take him now. He's arrested and he's in, in uh, the, the custody of the law. He's being taken by ship to Rome. As they start to load on the ship and to get ready to sail, Paul, by the inspiration of God, understands and knows that they're fixing to get into some serious trouble. And he tells them, due to the weather and what God has told him, he said, now folks, if we leave, we're going to get into trouble. And he said, not just us, but he said all the cargo. And he was being taken to Rome on a cargo ship. And it was loaded with cargo. He said, we're going to get in trouble. We're going to be in a storm and lose our lives. The captain of the ship and those that were in charge paid Paul absolutely no mind. Now, there's two or three thoughts right there before we get into chapter 28. A lot of times, whenever we're going through life serving God, you can find yourself into some situations. And most of the time, if you are prayed up, and, and by the way, folks, we need to stay prayed up. Have you, ever, have you ever noticed somebody in public that they're called on to pray and they just go on and on and on and on and they just pray? Well, I, you pretty much know that's about the only time they pray is in public, so they have a lot of catching up to do. But if you stay caught up in your prayer life, you'll find that God will give you insight that the world does not have. I can't, I, I can't promise you that in every situation, God's going to give you that special insight. But I'm telling you that God is capable of giving us insight. And one of the things that we need to learn to do is to discern what is of ourself, what is of the world, and what is of God. And whenever God gives you insight or an impression, many times, folks, I will take a different route home. I, I'll plan, uh, I pastored the same church for 43, uh, 42 years, and there was two or three ways to go to, from my house to the church. But I usually went one way. But if I ever got in my car and I had the least little impression, go the other way. I followed that impression because I believe that the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. I'm not saying that I'm righteous in your eyes, but I was made righteous through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ in the eyes of God. So I will follow that. You say, how do you know that it helped you? When you don't have a wreck that you were going to have, you usually don't know that you weren't going to have the wreck or that you, you know what I mean. And... And we, uh, we miss a lot of problems a lot of times that we would get ourselves into if we're just bent on going our direction, our way, and have no leadership of God whatsoever in it. 
whenever you're making decisions at home and in your family, in your life, when the Holy Spirit begins to deal with you and give you uh, impressions and leadership, uh, listen to that and follow that. So Paul, he stood, he stands up and he says, look here, we're fixing to get in some serious trouble. We don't need to be doing that. They overrode him and they sailed. Before long, they find themselves in chapter 27 in a major, major storm to the point that the ship is so beat up and so battered that they have to pull into a port. They do a major overhaul on the ship. Now remember, God had already given Paul instructions to tell them, don't be here. So they've done all of that work for nothing. Many times in our, our spiritual life and in our everyday life, if we just do what we're supposed to do, it is amazing how God keeps us out of a lot of trouble that we would find ourselves in. Have you ever been there? I think a many a woman has had a run in her stockings because of attitude. I think a many a man, a many a man has had a hole in the heel of his socks or in your toes. <laughs> Talk about that. I thought about this this week. I don't know why I thought about this. But, but did, did any of you ever, did, did, did your parents ever take your socks and turn them under because they're too big? Now, some of you remember that, don't you? That folks used to do that. And, and I walked on them stupid things all day long. And it was most uncomfortable. I, I know y'all don't care. But Paul's in a storm without a pair of socks. And Paul's in the storm. They're in the storm because they would not listen. Chapter number 28 comes, and the Bible says, and when they were escaped, then they knew that the island was called Melita. This is their next storm that they're in. And they're just about shipwrecked, and they do run aground. And the ship now begins to tear apart and to come apart. Part of the cargo is out in the water. People who can swim are finding their way and they're beginning to swim to land. To those that could not swim, they would grab a piece of cargo or a box maybe or a board or something that they could float on and would help them and they begin to use those things to get to the island and that's verse number one. Verse two says, and the barbarous people showed us no little kindness for they kindled a fire and received us everyone because of the present rain and because of the cold. The barbarous people that lived there on the island, they apparently had been watching the ship. Maybe some of them were on the, the shore. They saw that the ship was in, in trouble in the storm. It ran aground. They saw it begin to break up, and the word began to spread and to get out and as it did, they began to come in, the, the people did, that were there on the island, and they began to build a fire so that the people from the ship that Paul was on, which, by the way, held 276 people plus the cargo. It was not a little boat. It was a good-sized ship that they were on, and as they began to come to the shore, not one of those people were, were, uh, were killed or drowned, that none of them lost their lives. As they came to shore, they found that the people had built them a fire. 
We pick it up now in verse number 3. Look at, at it with me in Acts chapter 28, verse 3. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the barbarous people saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffered not to live. Now follow it for a minute. The apostle Paul is coming in. He's coming to shore. The fire is built. He stops by and picks him up some sticks off of the seashore and brings those sticks with him to the fire. Now apparently he had gone along the shore far ways and picked up several. He may have gotten to where some uh, uh, debris had washed up on the land and he got him a whole handful of it at one time. In this bundle of sticks that Paul had, there was a, uh, a deadly snake in there. As Paul got to the fire, apparently maybe the snake felt the heat, no matter what, or somehow he, he got ready to come out of those, those sticks, and he fastened on Paul's hand. And immediately they recognized the kind of snake that it was and that it was a poisonous snake and that he was fixing to die. Apparently people who got bit by this snake either died immediately or just in a few minutes they began to have convulsions or to get sick and before long they were dead. So they're watching this man and one of them speaks up, judges the situation. He said, you know what happened, folks? That guy was a murderer. I know there was some uh, prisoners on this ship. This guy's a murderer, thought he was going to get by with it and get away and escape from the sentence that he had and from taking him to Rome. But, and God now is judging him and he's going to die because he was a murderer. Now right here is a good spot for a good commercial. Don't let the devil get you into that. You see something happen in one family, one, one man's life or one woman's life or one church or whatever, and immediately your mind begins to go and to judge the situation. And you say, well, if they weren't doing this, that wouldn't have happened. I bet God let that happen to them because of this. Now, now don't look at me like you, a calf looking at a new gate. You, if, you, if, you've never, if you've never been there, you know somebody who has been there. You may be married to somebody who, who, who's thought that way before. And there, it, it's easy to judge them. And to begin to think, you know why God is allowing this, that, or the other in their life. And immediately they said, he's a murderer. God's going to kill him now. He thought he's going to get away because of the shipwreck. But God has go is going to get vengeance back on this man. So let's look at verse number 5. And he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. Uh, I've, I've preached, you've probably heard sermons about shaking it off. And that's a good thought right here. A lot of times in your life, the things happen in your life will really get you down. But some of them you just have to shake off. Just shake them off. You don't spend a lot of time on it. You don't let it eat your lunch. You just learn to roll with the punches. This afternoon, uh, your, your pastor was in the, the camper out there, and he and, he and I and Miss Sandra was talking. 
And we were talking about traveling a little bit, and he said, I'm always, I, when I go somewhere, I, I just want to get there. If I'm going somewhere, I'm, I'm on my way, I, want, I just want to get there. I just, I, I'm just concerned about getting there. I don't want to stop and smell this, these roses, or this, that, or the other. I just want to get there. And Sandra was sitting over on the couch on the other side, and she kind of leaned over to him. She said, you'll grow into it. <laughs> she said, them, that wanting to smell the roses, it's coming. And just like I, I've always been that way myself, I, I just got all caught up in things and, you know, wanting to run here, run there, some, this, that, and the other. And sometimes if you're not careful, you'll let life itself get a hold of you. And what you need to do, just shake it off, sit down, think about it. H have you ever noticed how it is better tomorrow? At, tomorrow morning, it'll be better. Now, a lot of you husbands, you don't think you'll live till tomorrow morning. And you've got to handle this problem right now, tonight. Or you, you wives, you think it's got to be right now. Some of the things, sometimes, whenever you're, you're not just getting along real good, one of the best things you might do is just go to bed. You say, well, the Bible said don't let the sun go down on your wrath. I'm not talking about that kind of wrath that you want to hurt somebody or that you, you know, you're trying to defend your family or something like that. I'm talking about husband and wife arguments and fussing and stuff like that. Don't always panic. Just kind of shake it off. Uh, we've been married 52 years. I promise you, they're going to be there. They're going to stick it out. They're going to weather the storm. Tomorrow will be okay. It'll, you'll feel better. They'll feel better. And, and have you ever done this? Have you ever just really been right in the middle of a big fuss? And I mean the thing's just escalating and it's just got you consumed and you've just got to prove your point and that's God, you've got to show her she's wrong and you just going to, I mean, you just can't, and, and you just go on like this for an hour or two and directly one of you come to your sense and you say, now, now what were we fussing about? <laughs> Most of the time you don't have a clue in the world, but you can remember what was said between the starting of the fuss and the ending of the fuss. So the best thing you can do, fellas, is just go to sleep and keep your mouth shut. You don't have near as much to beg forgiveness for. <laughs> I promise you. By tomorrow morning, you'll have a lot less in your wagon. <clears throat> so Paul is teaching us to just shake it off. Verse number um, five. And he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. Howbeit they looked when he should have swollen and fallen down dead suddenly. These people on the island are watching Paul. Everything stopped. They've got their eyes on him. They're expecting him to die any minute. But after they had looked a great while and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds. They were Baptists. They changed their minds and said that he was a God. Can you see how we do sometimes? We judge the situation. We're quick to condemn. We're quick to sentence them into this judgment or the other. And then whenever it doesn't turn out like we thought it was going to turn out, we immediately change our mind, try to salvage our pride, and get back in. A lot of times I have learned through the years in counseling the best thing I can do is say nothing. 
I am a much better counselor with my mouth shut. If I'll just be a good listener, that's what most people need anyhow. They don't always need your advice. They need your ear. Sometimes people just need somebody to listen to them, let them tell you their problem, they'll tell you their answer, they'll leave you and go have a good life and give you the credit for it if you don't mess it up with your advice. God can work in it. So they're standing there and they're watching Paul. Paul doesn't die. Immediately they change their mind and said, wow, this man must not be a murderer. We got that wrong. In fact, we know who he is. He's a God. And that's why the snake done him no harm. Now, take that, th this passage of Scripture. You got it in your mind? Everybody got it in your mind? You know where we're at. We're standing by the fire. Paul has picked up a bundle of sticks. He's brought them to the fire. Snakes got a hold of him, shook it off. They thought he was a murderer. He's, he didn't die, so they've now declared him to be a god. I want to back up and give us two or three thoughts. One is that storms are challenges. Storms that challenge us will come into our life. If you are not in a storm, then you've probably just come through a storm in your life. And if you've not just come through a storm and you're not in a storm, hold on. Brother, there'll be one probably by Friday. You'll be in a storm in your life. Storms are part of your life. Being a child of God, being born again, being a Christian, studying your Bible, reading your Bible, coming to church, trying to serve God, tithing, and doing what you ought to do may not keep you from getting in the storm. Do you understand that? The Apostle Paul was one of the greatest preachers that ever lived, and he found himself in the midst of a storm. And for 14 days prior to this, the Apostle Paul has fasted and prayed, and the people on the ship for 14 straight days and nights, done without food, had nothing to eat, and they've been in the middle of a storm. Storms come in our lives, and we need to be prepared for that. Being a Christian does not storm-proof your life. Can I get an amen? amen? Let me give you the thought. There are storms that are national storms. We are in a national storm in America right now tonight. Our nation is in a storm. I never thought that I would live to, to see the time I can remember, and most of you can remember, whenever Jimmy Carter was elected president of the United States. You may or may not like anything he ever done politically. And by the way, we need to pray for him. I understand that he is in the hospital today and he uh, has, has had some serious illness and he's the oldest living president. But anyhow, you may not like his politics, but I was impressed with the fact that America had a man who stood up and said, I'm born again. I'm a Christian. I go to church. I teach a Sunday school class. I'm a Baptist. I've been born again. And America stood up and elected a man who said, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus Christ. I have been born again. Today, we have elected a man that says that we're not even 
a Christian nation. Brother, we have come a long ways since 1977. Downhill. Our nation is in a storm. Now, if Jesus does not come back tonight, I'll be surprised because we're in such a mess that probably the only thing that'll straighten this storm out that we're in in America is the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the rapture of the church. But there are storms in families. Your family is going to go through a storm. You may not be in a storm family-wise right now, but you've probably not raised all your kids yet. Now, some of you have. And if you have raised all your children, you have been through family storms before. I mean, whenever uh, I I say to folks that there's two things, I'm a pretty good electrician. I'm a fair plumber. I can build most anything. Been a contractor all my life. I'm a decent farmer, and I like to think I'm a pretty good cowboy. But I know nothing about two things. You know what those two things are? I know nothing about women, and I know nothing about refrigeration. Refrigeration and women, I'm just oblivious to. I mean, every time I think I've got my wife figured out, she shows me something that I did not know existed. And it just comes up every time. So you get in family storms. I think we fussed one time. I don't remember. But I lie a lot. (laughs) Then there's church storms. Did you know you'll, you'll get in a church storm? Church storms can start right in your church. Right in this church. This is a good church. This is a good church. You all got a tremendous pastor. And you don't have to tell him I said so, but he is, in, in my book, on a scale of 1 to 10, he's a 26. I mean, he's the real deal. He's the real stuff. Sunday, Monday, Thursday, Saturday. In the church, in the woods. He's the real thing. I did go coon hunting with him one night. The emphasis on one night. <laughs> but storms are happening in the church. Folks, let me tell you something. When a storm starts brewing in the church, don't go jump in the middle of the storm. Let me go to the shelter. Get in the storm shelter. Close your phone off. Be quiet. Don't listen. And it'll be okay. Did you know that storms like when they pass over, they tell me these these bad ones there, just what, a minute? And if you just won't pump air to it, it'll die. The storms will come in a church. Don't panic when the storms come. Ride them out. God put you here. God wants you here. It's okay. Everything. And, and, and you'll think that I think that you're in a storm now. I, I, y'all not having a storm, are you? I, I just didn't see in my notes that churches go through storms. Children go through storms. Kids go through storms. Kids go through several storms in a lifetime. And the thing about it is, mamas and daddies, just because they get grown and leave home does not mean the storms are over. They get in a storm and bring it back home. (laughs) 
Now you've got two of them to worry about and before long you may have three or four and, and the, the number grows. These storms in families can get to be big. Then there's financial storms. Financial storms comes in our lives. Don't let the financial storms, and, and, and listen to me here, let, let me tell you. This I know for a fact. Financial storms will come in your life at a very unopportune time because most of the time they're there because Satan has invaded your mind, your family, or your situation, your job, or your finances in one way or the other and is trying to bring chaos into your life. Now, whatever you do, you be faithful to tithe and give an offering and support the work of God in the good times and in the bad times, in the good times and in the bad times. But if Satan can get you into financial problems, then he can hamper your testimony, your service for God, and the ministry of this church or any other church. So be careful what you buy. Be careful about your finances. Be careful that you do not get yourself into financial trouble and financial storms. And let me tell you this, if you find yourself in the financial debt, you cannot borrow yourself out of debt. The Bible says that the, uh, the borrower is servant to the lender. So just tighten your belt up, go to making more money, a few more hours, tighten your belt up, get yourself out of that storm, get your bills paid off because you don't want to pay all that interest. It will kill you. And it's okay to look at your, your kids sometimes and say, no, we cannot buy that. No, you don't need that brand. No, you can use this. Or just plain say, no. That's okay. They will live right through it. And another thing, you don't have to have everything the Joneses have, mom and daddy. And young couples, listen to me. Did you know your mom and daddy, they're doing pretty good. And you want to have what you've been used to living in? You may have to go through the 30 years it takes them to get to where they're at. So don't expect to get married and have everything they've got because you don't have the 30 years they've been working to build it and to try to have it. So just be patient and take it a step at the time, a bite at the time and don't go off and buy something or get in debt for something that you cannot afford. I'm telling you, storms come in our life. So Paul's in the middle of a storm. Then there's the storm of sickness. Uh, sickness will come to the best of people. My wife is one of the sweetest ladies that I believe God's ever allowed any man to have. She is a sweetheart of a lady, loves the Lord, she has been behind me and stood behind me, and she has just gone through breast cancer. And I promise you, it was not a judgment of God. It's just one of them storms. Just one of the storms. Just one of the things that you go through in life. And she's had uh, surgery, she's had uh, radiation, and she's doing good. And we praise God for that. But that was a storm in our life. And... Uh, if you, you don't believe that, you wait till you have to go through one of them and you don't know what the outcome is going to be when they tell you 
that it's cancer. Isaiah 41 and verse 10 says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. When the storms come, fear not, God is with you. He said that he uh, be not dismayed, he will strengthen us, he will help us, he will uphold us with his right hand. Don't panic when the storms come. They're going to come and they're going to go, but God is going to stay with you and see you through it. Second thought, not only that the storms that challenge us, won't you see the statement that confronts us? And that statement is in verse number 22 of uh, 27. Listen to what it said in verse number 22 of 27. And now I, I extort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. Yeah, God told Paul, said, look here, you're going to go through this shipwreck, but no man, nobody is going to lose their life. You're going to lose the ship. You're going to lose the ship. And sometimes, folks, we panic over the material things. Now, none of us want to lose our material things because we all like stuff. Y'all like stuff? Everybody likes stuff. And anybody that says they don't like stuff, you're full of stuff. Because <laughs> everybody likes stuff. And it's okay if you lose your stuff. That's bad. But you can get stuff back. You just hang on to God, love your family, stay close to Jesus, and he'll uphold you and bring you through the thing, and then you may wind up being just like Job was. He may just bless you over and abundant and give you more stuff than you ever had before the trial came. The statement is that God knows where we're at, that God is going to protect us, and God is going to see us through it. Isaiah 43, 1 and 2 says, But now thus saith the Lord, that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel. Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called, I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle Upon thee. I'm telling you that God gives us assurance. In the midst of all of our storms, He's going to be there. Then I want you to see number three, the third thing the sticks that create. I'd probably preach from this passage of Scripture. Let me tell you how many times through 50 something years of preaching. Never preach a message. On these sticks. But here's where the preaching is. Here's where the message is. In the sticks. Why did somebody who just come out of a shipwreck. I don't know if he could swim. Or if he's floating on a board. Or what. But he just come out of shipwreck. 
in the sea, cold, wet, a fire up there. What in the world got into this man that all of a sudden he stops and starts picking up sticks? Fire's already going. This is the lesson. Paul knew that he needed to keep that fire going and he was willing to do his part and contribute his part to keep the fire going and he wanted to pick up some sticks and perpetuate that fire. Why? Because he knew there were some people coming out of the water behind him that were just as cold as him or maybe colder and just as wet as he was and Paul said, I want to do my part. I want to pick up some sticks and add them to the fire. Now, church family, listen to me. You ought to, I and I ought to be involved in stick picking up all the time. We ought to be continually picking up sticks, bringing them to Temple Baptist, pouring them on the fire, pouring them on the preacher, pouring them on the Sunday school, pouring them on this, pouring them on that, pouring them on the choir, just picking up sticks and keep that fire going. Now, Paul didn't start the fire. You say, that's not my ministry. I didn't start that church. I don't have the responsibility. Paul didn't start it. And it was no little fire. Said there's 276 people about to warm by it. So Paul wanted that fire to, to be fed with the fuel, and he was concerned about those coming behind him. And there are people that are coming behind you and I. Did you all see, did any of you see those kids that were up here on this platform beforehand? Those kids will know about Jesus and about the things of God and the Word of God if we keep sticks on the fire. Now, don't let this fire go out. Every time you think that the fire may be floundering just a little bit, run, get you some sticks, pick them up and throw them on the fire. You say, well, what do you mean by sticks, Brother McCormick? I'm glad you asked because I wanted to tell you about them sticks. Sticks are all kind of stuff. Sticks is when you put money in the fire. That's a stick. I mean, put money in the fire. Don't you burn the money around here, bless God. Don't you dare do that. Don't you dare do that. I'm just preaching now. Don't you pay no attention to that. Where was I going with Oh, I know where I was going with that. Every time you put money in the offering plate, you're putting sticks on the fire. Every time you show up for choir practice, what you think you're doing? You're putting sticks on the fire. Every time you try to help somebody have something that their home they don't have, uh, some food to eat, or you're trying to help them in some way and trying to show them Jesus, you're putting sticks on the fire. Every time you meet somebody out in the, uh, the, uh, the highway or out there in Walmart or somewhere, you shake their hand and invite them to Temple Baptist Church, what you doing? Bringing you some sticks. You're picking up sticks. You're not just warming yourself by a fire that somebody else built that you don't feel any responsibility to. Brother, I want to have ownership to the fire I warm by. I don't necessarily want to warm by the fire that somebody else built if I don't help build a fire. Amen. Glory to God. We want to keep the fire going and we want to get into the fire building business and you need to pick up some sticks. I'll tell you what else sticks are. Sticks are whenever you find somebody that's out of fellowship with God and you practice Galatians chapter 6 and you begin to restore somebody that's in trouble. Say amen. amen. That person that's, that's, that's off into sin, that person that's backslidden, that person's out of church, whenever you're trying to help them and get them back and restore them and love the daylights out of them. Listen, you're supposed to love everybody. Don't y'all like people? 
Don't like people. Well, when just liking folks is picking up sticks. Whenever you go to the preacher and you just encourage him, and you go to the song leader and you encourage him, you go to some of the staff members, you encourage them, and some of the other teachers encourage them. That's picking up sticks. That's putting sticks on the fire. Brother, be a stick picker-upper. And bring them sticks to the fire. I'm talking about next Sunday morning. Just get your carload of sticks, bless God, and bring them. Bring them and bring them and put them in here to fire. Every time you see somebody, you just ask them, you bringing sticks? You got any sticks? And this week, go to looking for sticks. They're everywhere. Sticks are everywhere. They're just, they're everywhere. You say, but now Paul got in trouble, Brother McCormick, when he started picking up them sticks. I know what you're thinking. And Paul got in trouble whenever he picked up them sticks. Snake bit him. There is some danger in stick picking up. Because you start picking up sticks, she's going to start gossiping about you. Well, he's just doing it, bless God, because he wants attention. It's Mr. Show Off. <laughs> he just wants somebody to know that. And I'll tell you this, bless God, I brought nine sticks. Nine sticks! To this fire. Ain't had my name in the bulletin. Ben had my name on the board. And preacher, he preaches all day. He ain't said my name not one time, bless God. And I'll tell you something else I noticed. Since I've been picking up sticks, my kid, they never feature him. <laughs> Be careful now. The devil will talk you into wanting to reach into that fire and get your stick back. You'll get burned. And when you start picking up sticks, the devil don't like it. You start putting money in the offering plate, you may have car trouble because the devil will get in your car. He'll do everything he can to stop you. But you just keep picking up sticks, picking up sticks, picking up sticks. And God will just keep... I I just read you two verses, two passages of Scripture out of Isaiah where God said, I'm never going to leave you. If you go through the river, I'm going to be there. If you, go, if you have to walk through the fire, I'm going to be there. You will not get burned, he said. Now, stick picking up is awfully important business. <clears throat> but you can get in trouble. So whenever you find yourself in trouble, stick picking up, just don't let it rock your boat. It's okay. They've been talking about folks a long time before you ever got here. There's more people around here. Just don't worry about it. It'll be okay. Just defy the odds. Just reach down and get you another bundle. Pick them up. And bring them to the house of God. Stick Picking up. Let, let, let me tell you another stick. Bible reading. If you start saturating your soul with the Word of God, it is amazing what the Bible can do to you. What God's Word will do in your heart. It'll help you to conquer your temper. It'll help you to see things clear. It'll help you to make to keep from making some bad decisions. It'll get it. it it's, Good Bible stick picking up. 
It'll change your language. It'll cut cussing right out. You start picking up sticks in Bible reading, and especially if whenever you reach down and get one of them bundles, you add a little prayer stick to it, and you start praying. And I said to somebody this week, I think, we need to do a lot more praying and thanking God for what he's already done than we do asking God for what we won't done. Did you know if God never done another good thing to us, he's already blessed us more than we deserve? God has showered us with blessings. Now, I just want you to leave tonight wanting to pick up some sticks. Just get the sticks and bring them. Bible reading in the automobiles, the average person, the average man or woman going from their house to work can read the Bible through twice in one year with CDs. Get you, a, get you the Old Testament on CD and the New Testament and start listening to them, going and coming. It's amazing what picking up them sticks to do. So don't let the devil tell you that there's no sticks for you to pick up. Just a stick of encouragement. Sometimes, you know what people need sometimes? They just need you to just put your arm around them and just tell them, going to be okay. Somebody loves you. I care about you. I'm praying for you. I thank God for you. And husbands, tell your wives that you love her and tell her regularly that you love her. They have short memories. Women have short memories. And just little things. <laughs> That's good. Y'all, we, we got just a minute or two before I have to be through. We were getting out of the truck the other day, and I said, uh, you going to take your pocketbook? Because I knew she was wanting to go buy something. She says, no, I don't have any any money. I said, you what? Because I know she got money. She'll hide it, stick it back in that billfold she don't think I know about. She'll put it back there in that billfold. She says, I don't have any spending money. I said, oh, excuse me. She said, you have the spending money. So see, my money's to spend, hers is to hoard. <laughs> so I hope and pray to God, because I just said, okay, baby, come on. I just hope that was a stick. Because <laughs> I may want to build a fire one day. I need an extra stick to throw on the fire. I'm just storing up some sticks. So Paul now is bringing his sticks to the fire because he knew that others were coming behind him. Church, we have a great responsibility that God has given us. A lot of folks are depending on us. Let's not let them down. Now go get your sticks and bring them back before Sunday.
Father, thank you now for your blessings. Ask you that you'd bless our time together tonight. In Jesus' name.